Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and this podcast is where I share people's incredible stories of recovery after adopting a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. And if you're a long-time listener, you will know we've had guests who have overcome ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, multiple sclerosis, Crohn's disease, and so many other lifestyle diseases and autoimmune diseases and chronic diseases, including many, many stories of people who've overcome food addiction disorders and have lost significant amounts of of weight that was impacting upon their quality of life and who have lost that weight and lost it both sustainably and 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 permanently and that is not something that you hear from any other way of eating or diet or lifestyle uh, only 2% of people statistics have said 2% of people is the amount of people who have maintained weight loss after losing any amount of weight after a two-year period and with a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. Guests that have come on my show, myself included, have managed to maintain weight loss. So we might gain a couple of kilos here and there after a large meal or maybe, maybe we've consumed oil throughout the week, but mostly we have maintained our weight loss from the time we lost weight. And for some of that those people and some of us, from myself included, that's been several, several years. And many people, it's been, you know, you know, up to 20, 30 years of their life. Some less, some more, depending on how long ago they, they made the switch. But this, you know, people have healed from diabetic blindness. They have been able to see again. We've had people who, you know, most guests on this show have gone on to you know, become committed athletes to become, you know, Jeanette Murray Wakelin. She ran around a marathon a day for 366 days around the coast of Australia and and including Tasmania in her 60s after surviving a terminal breast cancer diagnosis. And she did this in her, in her 60s, as I say, and she has, you know, there's many stories. Not, no many people have done gone to the lengths that Jeanette has, but many people have gone on to become, you know, ultra marathon runners and athletes and to complete huge feats of strength after being cripplingly unwell for much of their lives. And myself included, as far as I'm not, I'm not, at Jeanette's level, but you know, these days I run up to 70 kilometers each week and I feel strong and healthy where in 2008 I couldn't feel my legs and didn't know what my future held. So this season I was also, you know, over a hundred kilos and living in an obese and unhealthy for me personally. Now, lots of people, I don't, I don't mean to seem like I'm shaming people for their size, but for me and the guests on my show, being carrying that excess weight on my frame meant that I had joint pain. I had, I was uncomfortable. I didn't enjoy summer. I had chafing. I felt self-conscious. I couldn't get the clothing that I wanted to fit. I had low self-esteem. I was tired. I was sluggish. I was constipated. I had brain fog. I was depressed. For me personally, those living like that wasn't a life for me and for the for many of the guests on my show. So that is why 
we share those stories as well on this podcast because, you know, those weight loss stories are transformational and so many people um, who have lived, like, like I have lived in an obese body, are inspired to hear these stories and to know what's possible uh, with a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. But why I am talking about all of this is because I mentioned earlier, well, earlier in the year, I think it was the start of this podcast rebranding to the Corinne Nidja podcast that I wanted to rebrand because I wanted from When Life Gives You Lemons Go Vegan. If you go back, you can see that it was called that initially. And for the first, I think, 50 or so episodes, I wanted to rebrand because a whole food plant-based diet is incredible. It's incredibly healing. And as you've heard from countless guests on this show, it has transformed lives. It has the ability to do so much wonderful stuff. It is 80% of health, according to many, many of the practitioners who've been on this show and the guests, you know, and people think they can outrun a bad diet. It's impossible. You know, we know time and time again, you can exercise all day, but if you're eating a nourishing your body with, you know, animal-based products, high saturated fat con- products, processed foods, high in oil, salt and sugar, and animal fats, obviously, um, you just can't outrun that. And the thing is, even though people will say, but I'm on a ketogenic diet and I'm the fittest I've ever been, you know, the guests that we had on our show, Gina, I think she was episode, I want to say, 80 And she was talking about her own experience with polycystic ovarian syndrome and how she she tried the keto diet, which is basically paleolithic diet, rebranded, and the Atkins diet is the paleolithic diet also as well. But they're all very much under the same umbrella of diets that are high in protein and low in carbohydrates. And her results were incredible. She said that she felt great. She looked great. She lost weight. She went on the keto diet, was loving life until she got her blood test results and found out that she was pre-diabetic, that she had high cholesterol, that she had she had the beginnings of chronic disease in her, in her blood. So on the outside, she looked great, but on the inside, she was damaging her her heart her and her body and and that has been spoken about time and time again by the doctors who've, and professionals who've come on this show about the dangers of diets such as high fat low carb diets that are all the rage because they give us a green light to indulge in bad habits such as consuming tons of bacon and eggs and those types of things. What I wanted to say was, even though I love a whole food plant-based diet, it is always going to be the main thing we focus on in this podcast. However, many of my clients in my coaching world outside of this podcast, but and also just many people in my friendship circles, in the community, in my, in my and in my own personal experience, when I went to the Gola Foundation in 2006 to the multiple sclerosis retreat held there and facilitated by Dr. George Jelinek, who, you know, definitely his work 
set me on the course to where I am today and radically transformed my life. And I am forever in his debt. And the work of the Gawler Foundation on in, during that five-day retreat transformed my life. But when I arrived at that retreat, I was broken. And if you've listened to my podcast episode, I think it's episode 35 or 36, I was broken and I was I I was self-harming through food. I was using food as my emotional support. I was binge eating. I was eating late at night. I was smoking. And I went to that retreat and it was beautiful. And I learned about whole food plant-based eating, even though overcoming multiple sclerosis includes some seafood and some egg whites. The Gola Foundation Retreat is a whole food plant-based retreat. It has beautiful whole food plant-based food for the five days. And I learned all about the benefits of whole food plant-based eating and I learned a lot of things, but I took me home and the me I took home was still broken. I still hated myself. I still responded to stress in the same way. I, there was many pieces in the puzzle, in my own puzzle, that had to align, come into alignment for me to be able to fully embrace a whole food plant-based diet. And one of those pieces, as I explained to to the guest on this show after our conversation, is a whole food plant-based diet. If you think about a bowl full of beautiful whole plant foods, and we often think that the diet is the whole, the, all the filling in the bowl, and the bowl is the foundation that holds all that beautiful food. And delivers that beautiful food, helps us deliver that beautiful food into our bodies. But when we remove the bowl, and for me, the bowl is all the tools you have that make you love yourself and want to nurture yourself enough to fill that bowl with whole plant foods when you could fill it with donuts. And so for me, in my own journey, part of it has been putting in tools into my life that connect me back to myself that I can use instead of harming myself with foods, alcohol, cigarettes, the things that I used to use to medicate myself with. Well, I never was a drinker, but I was a smoker. Um, Prior to committing to a whole food plant-based diet, I used to eat in a really harmful way. And now I still, sometimes I overeat still, and I'm still on that journey a little bit, but it's so much more improved because I incorporated practices such as exercise daily. I incorporated mindfulness practices and meditation and and self-love and journaling and sitting with women in circle and connecting with more like-minded people and, and and altering my friendship circles to include new friends that I really went out of my way to make and and to nourish um, those relationships with people who were more were like-minded and were on the same a similar pathway to me and those tools became the bowl if that makes sense the bowl and the spoon I guess that helped me to want to deliver that food to me to nourish my body in that way. And so that's why I want this podcast to move forward talking about people who are doing wonderful things, talking with people who are doing wonderful things 
to help people create that beautiful bowl that holds themselves and their whole food plant-based diet. Because without the bowl, all the food just spills on the floor. You know, we just, um, as Maya, our guest on today's show, Maya Bedson, as she, she speaks about in this episode, the red zone, most of us are moving around in the red zone constantly on a high alert, constantly rushing and racing and and outside of the present moment. And and today, Maya is going to be talking to us about meditation and guiding us through a beautiful meditation and talking to us about the benefits of meditation and um, med- meditating with children and how we can add that back into our life and why it's so important. Because especially as a it's, it shouldn't be seen, this is what I'm trying to say in my analogy, if you think about a bowl filled with ice cream with a cherry on top, I think people think that meditation in life is the cherry that they can put discard to the side and not eat it if they don't want. But really it is the bowl that holds the beautiful, beautiful richness of our lives. And without the bowl that is mindfulness... Often we race through life without eating mindlessly, living mindlessly, parenting mindlessly, socialising and interacting with our loved ones mindlessly. But once we create this bowl, this bowl of self-reflection and connection and presence with practices such as meditation, especially meditation, we can be grounded and and move through our lives and through our, with, with our loved ones and ourselves from a place of love and connectedness and centeredness. And the ripple effect from that is that we make, when we open that pantry and that fridge, you know, three times a day for our meals or more, we then go on to make a loving choice, a more loving choice for ourselves, which has a ripple effect on our health which has a ripple effect on our ability to be with people that we love and in the work that we do, it has huge ripple effect. But when we don't have that bowl, that lovely, grounded, connected bowl of centeredness and connection to self and presence, when we go to that fridge and we make those choices from the red zone, we make those choices from high stress, from high emotions, from the grind of the day. We make those choices for chips, high-calorie foods that can give us the sustenance we think we need from a place of fight and flight. We think we need high-calorie foods to escape this invisible dragon that's coming to slay us and the dragon of our day, which is getting the kids to school, getting the lunches made, getting the work done, getting the beds made, doing all the washing and the laundry and all the things, cleaning up all the mess. We're in the red zone and our bodies can't distinguish between the washing and a dragon. So it wants us to have the highest caloric source foods when we're in that place because it thinks we're fleeing a dragon, but we're really just fleeing the washing and the grind of the day. And so we reach for the chips, we reach for the lollies, we reach for the cake, we reach for the coffee, we reach for the substances, the alcohol, the cigarettes, the things, because we're in that red zone and we're not present and we want to desperately flee this dragon. So we give ourselves the highest calorie, so we have the most energy possible to flee these 
this murderous monster that's coming for us, which in today's age is is our emails and our to-do lists and our kids' activities after school and all those bits. There is no dragon coming, but we keep eating like there is because we're constantly in that red zone without that bowl, that safe container that holds us, holds us present in this moment and allows us to move forth with grace and ease and make decisions about our food and our health and our life from a place of grace and ease. So today, Maya Bedson, who I mispronounce her name several times because I have a little girl named Maya in my life and I've been trying to pronounce her name right forever and it's led me to mispronounce Maya's name many times. So I'm very apologetic to Maya and so grateful to have her on the show. Maya is a therapist, mentor, facilitator. She has a diploma in counselling and counselling with honours. She is a graduate diploma in clinical nutrition. She is passionate about food as medicine and sustainable living. She loves spending time creating new recipes and fermenting foods to share the family and friends. I'm reading directly right now off the org website at the About Us page because it says so much about Maya and I just love sharing her work. She is very much in line with in alignment with this podcast in so many ways. She is a meditation instructor. She's a practice practitioner of various forms of natural therapies. She's worked in the area of energetic healing for over 25 years. Has worked at the Gola Foundation since the year 2000. So she's coming up to 20 years at the Gawler Foundation. That's where I very first met her. She has a graduate diploma in clinical nutrition, as I mentioned, as well as formal counselling and psychotherapy, plant-based nutrition. Maya uses her various skills and the experience gained from her own healing to inspire and support others on their own path to wholeness and has a particular interest in helping people to access their own inner wisdom. And I've just finished speaking to Maya just now and I, I feel wiser. <laughs> I'm laughing, but I do. Be, even just a, we do a short meditation in this. And honestly, if you're on your run and if you like to listen to this podcast on your drive or wherever you like to listen to it, I hope that you can pull over for the few minutes that she does the meditation or take a break at work to go back and and do the meditation with us because I honestly, even just in a few moments, the gift that I received through this meditation with Maya is is going to spill out into my whole day and I know it will for you too. And I have been very resistant about meditation throughout my journey and put it on the back burner so many times, choosing you know extreme exercise and brutal regimens at the gym and all these things, which are are in, a, in their own way a form of self-harm. Uh, I'm not saying that you shouldn't exercise and work out, but I think sometimes when we say we, we're resistant to meditation and more gentle practices and we're forcing ourselves to endure more grueling training without any time for self-connection and, and presence and mindfulness, I think that that's definitely when you're working, when I was working from the red zone constantly and not from a place of self-love and connection to myself. So I was very excited to have Maya on the show because I know that this is part of the toolbox that is 
necessary for most people when they're wanting to adopt a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. It's hard if you're trying to adopt this from the red zone, when you're trying to adopt this from the busyness of life, from the doing spaces, when you're busy, but you're also intertwined with, you know, the shame that our society, our culture has this beautiful, (laughs) I am being ironic in that, but it has this way of, you know, shaming us to be, to do, to, and so we're from this place of shame, we're in the red zone, we're full of self-loathing, we're moving forward in life thinking that we're revolting and ugly and hating our bodies and hating ourselves. But when we go into this mindful space of meditation and we connect to that beautiful loving being that's within us and then we make decisions from that space, it's amazing how much more ease and grace there is in, in every choice in every interaction, in moving around as a parent or moving around as a friend or a human or an employee or a, a business owner or whatever it is, it's, it's amazing the amount of grace and the amount of freedom that comes with moving around in the green zone. You know, when you're moving around from a space of peace, from a space of presence, from a space of love and connectedness and making, as Maya says in this episode, you know, we think that we're too busy to meditate. But when you meditate, it's amazing how much more productive we are, how much more, how time seems to expand before our very eyes. And so I have been talking for a long time because I'm just really excited to share this with you and to move this podcast in this direction with you all. And I hope that you all continue to come with me, but I'm not, I'm not abandoning all of the beautiful stories of recovery that have already been on this show. There will be many, many, many more of those to come because that is the, that is the, the theme of this podcast really but I do think that more of these episodes to co- there, will, there will be more of these episodes to come and I hope to incorporate more meditations into this podcast in the future because I think that I might make them separate ones I think that would be the plan so I might do some now I have to do my meditation training so I'll be getting Maya back on the show in the meantime But I'd like to do individual short meditations and then you can listen to the long episodes afterwards so that you don't have to find the meditation in the episode. And I know people listen to them in the car and on on their runs where meditations won't be... It's not ideal to drive meditating or to drive on your meditate on your run, but if I, if I put them in individually, I think I think that they're a very integral component of lifestyle medicine and of holistic health and wellness and of the maintenance and ability to sustain a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet permanently and effortlessly into the future. So welcome, Maya, to the show. I hope you enjoy everything she has to share today about meditation and mindfulness and her beautiful medita- guided meditation that she she guides us through later on in the episode and I hope that you all head over to the Gola 
tugawler.org, G-A-W-L-E-R.org, and check out some of their beautiful offerings, such as they've got an Art of Mindfulness Retreat coming up. If you're listening to this in real time, it's coming up in March, March 22nd. That should be wonderful. And then they've got a meditation weekend retreat the 29th of March. They've got the five-day Outsmart Cancer Fundamentals in April. They've got Reclaiming Joy with Dr. Ruth Gawler and Melissa Boric and 12th of April. Live Well, Be Well, Mindful Self-Compassion Teaching Training. That sounds amazing. I might see you at that one because that one's really sticking out to me. 6th of May, that one is. Mindfulness for Children Teacher Training on the 9th of May. I want to do that too. I'm looking at the website right now as I'm recording this. Mind Body Medicine Retreat. Oh, my goodness. 17th of May. Spirituality and Healing Anyway, there's so many. Return to peace. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. There are so many. Parkinson's Wellness Retreat, Essence of Health. Definitely check out the website and and, and go along. And honestly, this the over, Overcoming Multiple Sclerosis Retreat that I attended at the Gawler Foundation in 2006, I can't express it enough, my gratitude to the Gawler Foundation. And Ian Gawler, Ruth Gawler, um, well, Dr. Ian Gawler, Dr. Ruth Gawler and Dr. George Jelinek and Paul Bedson, who is Mayor's partner and Mayor Bedson and the work that they do at the Gawler Foundation because it did transform my life and this podcast wouldn't exist without without them. So I have so much gratitude and I hope that you all head along to one of their beautiful offerings because I know that it's transformative and you won't come back the same person as you were when you arrived. So thank you so much. Oh, Wise Radiant Me Women's Retreat in the 18th of October. Just saw that and I might be there as well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And thank you everyone who shares this episode with your family and friends and on social media and for leaving beautiful, kind ratings and five-star reviews over at iTunes. It all helps inspire and motivate me to move forward with this podcast. And I love your messages. I love your comments on the show notes. They all motivate me to keep doing this and keep showing up and keep coming along here because I love connecting with you all and hearing from you and knowing that these stories and these episodes are helping you in your life. So thank you very much and enjoy this episode. Hello, Maya, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Corinne. It's so wonderful to have you here. And I don't know if I've spoken to, I have spoken about my time at the Gawler Foundation a long time ago, but I have very fond memories of meeting you when I, in 2006, way back when I did my multiple sclerosis retreat and Paul and doing a Qigong class and doing a few meditations and other practices with both of you. And I then I, then I bumped into you again. Uh, I think it was Seven Sisters when I bumped into you the next time. Was that right? Yes, it is. And it was just lovely. To, it was lovely to see, see you because that, that, that memory, you know, of, of that my time at the Gawler Foundation really helps change my life. And 
So seeing your face was like, oh, there's a face of one of the people that helped change my life so dramatically. So, yeah, I was so grateful to bump into you again. And then when I bumped into you again, I thought, you know, it must be a sign that you need to come on this show and and spread some of your Gola Foundation work and journey with my listeners and I and you know I've heard you facilitate guided meditations with people before and so I was really looking forward to perhaps offering a little taste of the work that you do with guided meditations to the listeners of this podcast if you would be so kind today. I'd be really pleased to do that Corinne. Oh, thank you so much. So, Maya, I thought we would start by just talking a bit about your work at the Gola Foundation and your 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 time there and the work that you do helping people with multiple sclerosis, you know, just the general public, people with cancer, um all those types of people that walk through those doors seeking hope and transformation and healing and um yeah i think that everyone listening would be so honored to hear that from you well the work at the gola foundation probably most people know of the work um regarding helping people with dealing with cancer and also multiple sclerosis um, we also have programs for people dealing with parkinson's disease and we have a whole stream of programs what we call wellness programs that are not necessarily illness specific but are there to as an offering to um, help people at a time in their life where um, they might be suffering burnout, um, depression, anxiety uh, or just simply looking to take their health and well-being and their joy of life to the next level. So there's illness related programs and there's these wellness related programs then a third stream are some training programs. So currently we're running a meditation teacher training program um, This, as I'm speaking with you. And we have a foundation level. Uh, it's a five-day retreat training for people. And then there's some further advanced training that people can do depending upon their area of interest. So we, we are teaching people to teach children to meditate, um, teaching people to teach mindfulness, self-compassion, uh, also um, guided imagery. So there's various other um, applications that people can take up if they choose to. Wow, that sounds absolute. I secretly, on my side interests, have been looking for a guided for a meditation teacher training because I'd like to add that into my work coaching my clients. And I didn't know that you offered that service. And now I'm going to be on the internet after this, <laughs> this call, looking into when it's running next, because I would love to do that. And I think that the learning how to teach meditation to children training sounds fabulous because, you know, as I'm a mother and I would, it is a, it is difficult to get your kids engaged in meditation. And so I think it's such a beautiful idea to have specific training in how to how to help kids to go to that place and get to that space of mindfulness and and peace within themselves especially when they're dealing with huge emotions and school and anxiety and stresses that happen 
in a in a child's life and existence. So that is really, really, really beautiful that the Gola Foundation is offering that. And I hope anyone listening is excited as I am about going along and and learning more about this. Yes. Yes, most adults relate to living too much in what we call the red zone rather than the green zone. And the red zone is all about um, activating the sympathetic nervous system, uh, fight, flight, please or freeze. Um, And so there's a lot of physical uh, um, conditions that happen through that. So we tense our muscles without realising it. We have lots of stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline flowing through our bloodstream, our heart rate increases, blood pressure. Um, Also, our immune system is not functioning very well when we're in the stress response, either underactive or can be overactive. So it sets up inflammation in the body. Um, And also emotionally, that has a very big impact on us. So being um, too busy, rushing all of the time, not having time to catch up, with our emotions, to digest our emotions, as well as being able to digest and absorb all the nutrition from our food. So um, I've had a lot of contact with people over the years who have particular illness diagnosed and they say, you know, I've had a perfect diet for decades and I can't understand why this has happened. But when we look into the area of um, what their stress has been like in their life, that's where the key will be for them. So meditation is a wonderful way to um, help shift us from the red zone into the green zone, which is actually our natural state. We are all born um, living in the green zone. You can see a young baby now and they're just aware. Um, They'll drink you in and drink in the world through their eyes. They don't judge or have conditions Um, So we were all actually born that way. But along through life, what gets modelled to us or what we get told, um, lots of different messages, you know, nice girls don't get angry, big boys don't cry. So we start to suppress the natural flow of our true self, our emotions um, particularly. We interrupt that natural flow and we start to change ourselves and develop a personality meditation is a wonderful antidote to bring us back to our true nature can i ask you maya from my own experience of meditation now i I attended the five-day ms retreat and i meditated solidly for a month afterwards i was committed and then what 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 is it that gets you to that place where for me, I remember when I first went to a meditation when I was 19, I joined a six-week meditation program. And I've heard a lot of people talk talk about this, that I went and she was saying, you know, deeply relax, relax your toe, relax your finger. And the more she would slowly talk to me, the more it would feel like I wanted to jump out the window and flee and run away. And I left and never came back. And then I went to the Gawler Foundation and did it for the first two days. I felt like that again. I felt that resistance, a deep resistance to letting myself be still and present and aware. And then and then by day five, I was able to really drop in and relax. And it was warm and safe and lovely. But then once I had some space away, 
again after that month of regular practicing, I got that same like resistance, a strong like, oh, I don't want to do the meditation. And I think a lot of people, when you ask them to sit still, they get this tent. It's it's frightening. Do you know what I mean? It's a fear or an anger or a resistance. And why do you? Where do you think that comes from? Because I've had that over and over again throughout my journey. And I meditate a lot more now consistently, but sometimes when I have that break, I find it really difficult to do that first meditation when I step back in. Why do you? Where do you think that? I know it's not. I'm not alone because I've talked to a lot of people about this resistance to self care and for self love. Why do you think we get that? Do, I, I know, you don't have to. I'm putting you on the spot. You don't have to have an answer. I'm just curious if you are familiar with it in your work with years and years of people coming to you and learning meditation. Are you familiar or not? <laughs> Am I the first person to share this with you? No, many people can relate to what you're speaking of, Corinne. It's a common experience that people have, particularly when they start to meditate. So um, we run meditation retreats at the Gawler Foundation as well and so we have a lot of people who come to those thinking that um, attending a meditation retreat will mean that they'll start to become very relaxed and more open and um, feel very connected with themselves and with others and with nature uh, and energised. And sometimes the opposite happens for them initially, that um, there's often due to a, many people carrying what we call a backlog of tiredness just through the fast pace of life, um, living in that red zone, people accumulate some tiredness um, that just builds and builds and they just manage to cope with it. Also difficult emotions come up and there's no time to explore them and to integrate them. And that's what we call repressive coping. So it's a, a common and way of dealing with stress and difficult emotions is this repressive coping. And we're shown how to do this from a very young age. We see it in others. Um, and we get told that we need to think clearly, um, don't have really have time for emotions, need to be productive, soldier on, get on with things, push through. So with meditation, it creates the space for an unwinding. And in that process, some difficult sensations and emotions can arise for some people. So commonly there's boredom, restlessness, impatience. And that's part of the body-mind's detoxification, if you like, letting go of some of that backlog. So although for some people starting to meditate can initially feel uncomfortable, if they stick with it, then you'll move through that into a place where you'll start to notice that just life seems brighter um, and you're able to actually flow with life rather than pushing against life or feeling like you have to control everything in order for the so-called right things to happen for you or for your family. So with meditation, it's possible to actually flow with life 
and life will unfold in lots of synchronistic ways without us having to feel like we've got to have our hands on the controls. I love that. I love that. And and that has definitely been part of my journey as well. And my husband's when we've when we practice regularly, which we've got, we've become more and more consistent with our practice. And he, he's, he's more consistent than me. He always likes to outdo me a little bit <laughs> with everything we try. But um, I found that when I do do it regularly, I, I can't, I can't get enough of it. It almost is addictive to go into that space and let yourself have that time. Not, it's not addictive in a bad way, but. Once you, I once I do it consistently, I'm always like, oh, when can I meditate next? Because I just want to be in that space. Because life is so, like you say, we we we're always feel like we have to be driving and busy and and go 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 go. And when I've got two little kids and you're trying to get the things going, and so getting into that space feels like giving yourself a gift every day. You know, giving yourself a a gift of free of freedom and peace that that feels like it's been missing so much in in your everyday life or well, for me and for many people that I know who have started to commit to a meditation practice we all have noticed that same thing where it's it's like that moment you look forward to of your day where you get to pause and breathe and connect back with yourself yes so it's a gift for yourself it's also a gift for your family and friends and anyone with whom you come in contact mm. yeah and for my our kids yes definitely it's definitely a gift for my kids <laughs> So rather than seeing a meditation practice as selfish, what we suggest to people is to see it as being self-full. So filling your own cup up first and then you have much something that's much more authentic to share with others. Definitely. And that's so true about most of the self-care practices that we're taught are selfish to take time for. For me, exercise is, is something that I'm, I'm just better if I've moved my body in in some way every day and lots of mums I know and parents I know just don't don't make the time for that or they don't think that they have the time for that and but for me when I don't make the time for it you know I'm I just am more heightened I'm more I'm less grounded I don't feel I haven't moved the stagnant energy out of my body and shifted it in a way that feels healing and therapeutic for me and when I get home from my my husband always says you're better I'm better I'm a better mum a better wife when I've moved for the day and the same with mindfulness and the same with self-care or you know I went to seven sisters this this year I went a couple of not last weekend weekend before and a lot of women was like four days without your kids but for me that's four days where I fill up myself to to spill out and give that back to my kids and I'm a better woman and a wife when I return even though it seems like a long time to be away from your family so yes I definitely agree with you that it's such a beautiful way to nourish yourself and that that has a flow-on effect to everyone that you meet after meditating or after practicing self-care. It also gives us a space to drop some of the stories that we create about ourselves and about others and about life itself. And that's really important because another aspect of this repressive coping is um, about going more into the story of 
the situation or ourselves, like they're wrong, I'm right, or the reverse, they shouldn't have or I shouldn't have. So we build up all of these stories as a way to try and not feel uncomfortable feelings. And meditation, again, can create the space for um, that to start to unwind too. So we become less judgmental, less cynical, um, putting less obstacles in our way or others' way. And that really enriches our relationships with ourselves and with the people in our life. Yes. Oh, it's so I, I had never thought of it like that, but you're so I couldn't describe how meditation has affected me and you've put such beautiful words to it. It is that I remember when I before I meditated, just after the Gola Foundation, I met this spiritual teacher, healer, and she said to me, Corinne, everyone's a ten out of ten. And she was very deeply into meditation. And I said, what do you mean? She says, I want you, your homework for the next two weeks is to look at everyone as though they're a 10 out of 10, free from judgment or free from this guy's this and this person's this and this is this and that's, they're there this much money or they have this and they're different to me because of whatever physical trait or whatever. And I thought, what is this homework, you know? And she's like, they're a 10 out of 10, everyone. They're born a 10 out of 10. They're always a 10 out of 10. Just, just try. And... I did do that. I went around and I did the homework and and but with combined with meditation that has been a huge transformation is to take that judging eyes off and to see everyone I meet as a 10 out of 10. Like that doesn't seem like much and for lots of my friends I think that it's the ravings of a <laughs> of Corinne who's just raving but it's it's so freeing to walk around loving everyone from a space of love and seeing them as a 10 out of 10, which seems like this a simple phrase, but I just found it so simple, but beautiful. And meditation has really done that a lot for me. I'm not saying that I'm judgment free because I still fall into that, that, that trap sometimes, but it, it's definitely helped so much in removing that desire to judge first and make assumptions about people and their motives and whatever. And I'd never thought about that meditation has been part of that. I just thought maybe that was just me getting older. But you're right. It probably definitely would be connected to my meditation practice. There's that expression that um, is often used, like that person pushes my buttons. Yeah. So our attention goes to the other person and how they're wrong. They, but really what that saying is pointing us to is that we have buttons. And so it's, it's under our influence to pay attention to what those buttons are, what those triggers are, rather than constantly seeking other people to change in order for me to feel okay. That means that we become a victim of situations and circumstances and other people's behaviour, whereas if we turn our attention to ourselves, that's where the real healing lays, not putting our attention outside of ourselves. 
And meditation really helps beautifully with that because when meditation is practiced in the right way, um, not as a way to escape or transcend difficult emotions, but actually as to turn towards our difficult emotions, be kind with ourselves, allow the space for feelings to be felt and start to unwind. Wow. And I, th- I, I, I think that that, even what you've just said there about meditation being a tool to 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 f- face those difficult feelings because i a lot of it is spoken about that you want to transcend it or move beyond it or blah 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 i've never really heard it be spoken about that it is a way of connecting with those deeper feelings and and more deeply processing them in a health, in a in a healthy way is that am i getting you right there yes so we can expend a lot of time, energy and money in the self-help realms, trying to be better, to achieve this. Um, Whereas if we simply keep coming back to our own intrinsic nature and allowing ourselves to be more of an observer of our thoughts and our feelings, then we actually are being more true in life rather than trying to live up to an image of how we think we should be or others think that we should be. Mm. Yes. So there's such a freedom in that. There definitely is. And I, I am still, I'm a very much, a, well, I think I'll endlessly be a work in progress, but it's, it's such a beautiful and important thing, and I think as I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I've got two small, small children, and there's those days where things are hectic, and you got school pickup and drop off and lunch boxes and reading and homework and the, all the things, and there's karate and all the bits and pieces and dinners and all those things that come into parenting and navigating bedtime and all those things, and you, it's so easy to become stuck in reaction. And in the red zone, as you say, in those times, even though you start with the best intentions, you know, you end up in the red zone and you think, how did I get here? I, you know, as I, but I think that processing that, like, like you say, like my kids push my buttons, (laughs) but it's my buttons that I have to, that I have to be focusing on and, and not trying to get them to be a certain, because they're just being in childhood and they're beautiful and perfect and like you say they're just viewing the world through aware or the three like my three-year-old is still very much viewing the world through awareness but the seven-year-old's now got a lot more of the muck of life adulthood and I mean of schooling and education and peers and you know he has you can see that he has more of a he's losing his spark a a little bit not in a I don't mean that in a he's still magical and full of wonder but I mean he just looks a bit more like he's thinking about is this the right or wrong decision is this going to make me likable or not likable he's not as going with them living in the moment as what the three-year-old is if that makes sense it does make sense but talking to you it's wonderful to think about my own parenting and think about 
my own uncomfortable feelings in those times when I'm in the red zone and I'm like, get to bed, you know, it's late and I'm tired and mummy's love tank's empty. <laughs> you know, I need to refill it in some silence now. Um, but thinking about meditation as a tool to guide you through those moments and myself, when I get those times of resistance, realizing that they're the times that m- not only do I need to go back to my practice of meditation, but my children need it even more. People often ask me um, what can they do um, to teach their children, you know, to deal with their emotions better or to deal with stress better, to um, help with their schooling. And my answer is always the same, and that is model it to them. So by children um, pick up more what they absorb from our behaviour than what we tell them to do. So if they are seeing that you are actually having a healthy relationship with your emotions, with your thinking mind, practising meditation, that will seem very natural to them. So the modelling is really crucial. Rather than acting in one way and telling them to be a different way, which we do with the best of intentions, but it has to start with us. And also meditation isn't going to make life perfect. Um, Life will still bring us lots of challenges. That's the nature of life. But however, how we approach those challenges can be very different if we have this um, background of meditation and more connection. That's so true. I have two, well, one question for you is I have meditated with my kids and they often end up climbing on me, (laughs) sitting on my lap, poking me, you know, doing things which which then deters me and so then I end up, so I'm speaking on behalf of all mums of young children out there because I'm just, some, some might be, with me on this. I know that there's someone listening who's hearing me. So you end up doing the meditation. So my children know that I meditate and they know that daddy meditates, but we we set the alarm for before they wake up to do our meditation or after they go to sleep because they interrupt us and we can't get our meditation in. (laughs) But to model it to them, we need to be doing it in front of them. So do you have any tips for us to to get our meditation in, but also to model it to our kids at the same time. It's wonderful for your children to at times see you meditate or at least know that you're in a room where they need to leave you undisturbed and go to their father, vice versa, if they need something. And also to have some short times of meditating with them. And that will, the length of that will depend on the child's development, psychological and emotional development, of course. So when they're very young, then it's usually just short amounts of time, helping them direct their attention to their body, to their breath, or noticing a flower or a bird, something that um, you can actually direct their attention to be more mindful in. Then as they get a little older, they might do a couple of minutes of sitting in meditation with you and then you can expand it from there. 
So it's a growing process. That is doable, I think. And like my children know because we do have – so they often hear us say, like, you can't go in there, daddy's meditating, or you can't go in there, mummy's meditating, or, you know, shh, one of us is meditating. But doing it for a couple of minutes and with them and growing that as they grow is something that – well, we've done bits and pieces, but, I mean, it's, it's something that's doable. You know, you can sit down for two minutes um, – before bedtime or in the morning before we head off to school or whatever and and do that and without without any because if I'm wanting it to be my meditation time and it's two minutes of chaos then I'll get frustrated but I mean if I'm doing it as a compliment to my meditation but with the kids as, as their as their modeling time I think that that's something that most families could incorporate a couple of minutes each, you know, each day just to kind of sit there and be in stillness with your kids as much as possible or play them a beautiful child-focused f- meditation or something like that, or some beautiful bird sounds or rainforest sounds to, to connect to. Are there any meditations, like guided meditations, that you recommend for families when they're wanting to try to try this with their kids? Well, bringing their attention to their breath, is our breath is a wonderful anchor for our attention because we can't breathe in the future and we're not breathing in the past. The breath is always in the present moment. And so whether it be a child or an adult, bringing our attention even for short amounts of time to actually the sensation of our breath moving in and out of our body helps us to be more present rather than be lost in memory or imagination. So the breath is the first place, especially for children. I love that. When you were talking, I was just thinking about about kids and about the that and about the present moment and getting into that present moment and I was just wanting to just to just to kind of go back a tiny bit for people who maybe haven't meditated before like my mom and dad <laughs> who aren't there yet and like my, my, my brother or whoever is listening who hasn't meditated before can you just give us are you ha- you have been anyway but could you just explain a bit about why meditation helps us get in that green zone and and how it helps us to to regulate our emotions or our anxiety and stresses and all those types of things and calm down and ground us in the present moment. I know you've just mentioned it with breath and that's why I thought it would be a good good way to segue into just explaining it a bit more deep bit more deeply but don't have to go, you know, don't feel you have to go into the <laughs> origins of meditation and all the way back to when it first began. But you know, um just give us a little bit more of a background into why it's so important for health and wellness. On one level, um being in the red zone means we're in defensive mode, protection mode. And that actually consumes a lot of energy. Whereas in growth zone we're in the green zone, we're in our growth, where there's a perceived sort of safety. So we activate the relaxation response. Blood flows to our whole digestive system and all of our organs. We start to um, relax the muscular tension in our body. Some of the 
um, feel-good hormones like serotonin and melatonin are released rather than cortisol and adrenaline. Our heart rate rate usually starts to slow and our blood pressure drops. Um, Our immune system uh, is able to normalise. Also on an emotional and mental level, it feels nurturing and healing to spend more time in the present moment rather than chewing over the past or imagining the future. So we we um, ha- our attention, our memory and concentration actually improve through meditation. We feel more connection with ourselves and with others. So therefore, we feel empathy. Um, we're just open up and relax more and, as I was saying earlier, move into the flow of life. So it happens on a deep level. Um, Some people like the science behind the benefits of meditation, need to know all of the steps to it, and we actually do all of that in our meditation retreats um, as well as a lot of practice. So both are useful both knowing some of the background and some of the physiological and mental and emotional effects of meditation, but then the practice as well. I need to get myself to one of your meditation retreats. I'm really looking forward to it, actually. uh, It's going to be in my next 12-month plan. (laughs) Wonderful. So would you mind just giving us a short guided meditation now be happy to oh thank you so much i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna do it with you with you all let's just close our eyes gently it's beginning that process of turning our attention inside right now there's nothing that you need to be doing or anyone to look after It's like we're pressing the pause button. Now notice that area around your eyes. It's relaxing all the small muscles there. Right into the back of your eyes. You're looking towards that space before your closed eyes, just as a resting place for your attention. And now with those softer eyes, just notice the sounds that are coming to your attention. There may be sounds outside the room. And any sounds inside the room. And there may be sounds coming from within your body. Perhaps the soft sound of your breathing.
You just allow the sounds to pass through your attention. And you're just listening. So you've relaxed through your eyes and just noticing sounds coming and going. And now opening to the feeling of your breathing. So without altering or controlling the breath, Just notice where in your body you feel the rising of the inhalation and the releasing of the exhalation. Just allowing the breath to breathe itself. There'll also be thoughts coming through the thinking mind. We're not trying to stop thoughts. But right now there's no thought that's important. So like the sounds coming and going, so can the thoughts simply move through our attention and there's the next breath. And then when you notice that your attention has moved away into thoughts again, just the habit of the thinking mind. So not making the mind or yourself a problem. Just simply shift your attention again back to feeling the next breath. So allowing the thoughts to 
Let's fall into the background. And there's the simple pleasure of each breath moving in and out of your body. Now as this short practice comes to an end, taking a fuller breath in and a longer exhalation, when you feel ready, letting your eyes open again. I'm too relaxed to talk now. (laughs) So even many meditations like we just practiced now are beneficial and the benefits accumulate. Mm. Yes. It, it, even in that, you know, few minutes that we were meditating just then, the difference between when we first started meditation in myself and now, as you can hear me in my speech, I feel slower and calmer than when I, you know, raced in after getting the kids done and going for a run and doing all the things, starting the podcast and then after the meditation, you just slow everything down, which is just beautiful. And the paradox is that we actually can achieve much more in our life if we come more from that centred, present place. So people sometimes say, I don't have enough time to meditate. But if you meditate, then time seems to expand in the rest of your day. Yes. Before we go, please can you just share a bit more about where the Gawler Foundation is and what people can expect and where they can find you online so that they can go and learn about meditation or have some more experience, some more beautiful meditation from you and the other practitioners at the Gawler Foundation. Well, the website is gawler.org. And there's a lot of information there about the different retreats that we run. We're in the Yarra Valley in Victoria and we run well-being and healing retreats. Also the trainings, as I mentioned, for the people wanting to teach meditation. So there are various lengths. You can do a weekend meditation retreat or a longer meditation retreat. Um, the cancer retreats and the MS retreats run over five days and people live in for that time. And it's, it's a real immersive experience. So not only just simply information, but this lifestyle medicine approach that we teach is equipping people to have a lot more tools in their toolbox in order to take home and implement, regardless of what's happening with their health or in their life. So lifestyle medicine is certainly a a growing area and um, I think that in time uh, most people will realise that there's actually a lot that we can do for ourselves, for our health and our well-being, both physical health and emotional and mental health. 
um, ourselves. So taking back that power as well as um, accepting whatever mainstream medicine has to offer that resonates with us. So we're not against mainstream medicine, but we'd like to um, help people realise that there may be more options than what they currently perceive. That's beautiful. And I I, and I, I always, I, I, I have often on mentioned that and given medical disclaimers in the podcast, and I should all the time because, well, one day someone's going to write to me, I'm sure. Um, but it is, I remember when I attended the Gawler Foundation and that thread through all the teachings was you don't have to choose, you know, mainstream medicine or lifestyle medicine and mindfulness and whole food plant-based eating and you don't have to say oh, I'm only going to do to do one or the other you can do both whatever pieces resonate with you in your tool put them all in your toolbox and and do the ones that you feel are right and healing for you, for you as an individual and I loved that when I when I attended that that was you know, spoken about so openly and, and encouraged to don't have to feel like, you know, to, to come to the Gola Foundation or to, to, to incorporate lifestyle medicine into your life, that that means you have to close the door on Western medicine and mainstream medicine practices. You can, you can have both and that's beautiful and they work together so well because there's things that in both areas that complement one another so beautifully. Yes, we encourage people to take the best of what's on offer and certainly to tune into themselves, um, accessing their own inner wisdom of what's right for them. Mm, and that's, that, I think that that's a really wonderful message to be to be sharing and promoting, which is one of the reasons why I was so excited to have you on the show. Before we hang up, I always ask my guests, now normally we're talking about low-fat, whole-food, plant-based, vegan eating on this podcast and healing with a whole-food, plant-based diet. And even though this episode has been a, my slight movement into talking about all the many areas of lifestyle medicine that I have used myself in my healing with multiple sclerosis. I always ask my, my, biggest, my three biggest tips for people considering a whole food plant-based lifestyle. But for you in this special episode, how about I ask you your three biggest tips for anyone listening who wants to begin a meditation practice? It's to create the space in your life to sit and do it, it's quite easy to give ourselves excuses or reasons of why we can't meditate. But the benefits actually start as, as soon as you begin to meditate. You don't have to wait until you have some long established practice before you start to reap the benefits. They happen immediately. Also to realise that meditation, or certainly the way that we teach it, is not about trying to have no thoughts, that simply creates more thoughts. We start thinking about our thoughts and I shouldn't be having them. So meditation really is not about trying to stop thoughts, but making the thoughts less important, going into more of a sensation reality, feeling our body, feeling our breath, listening to sounds but letting them go. And perhaps the third one is that to realise that this is a gift not only to yourself but to everyone around you, 
to see it as something that you're feeding yourself in order to share more of your authentic self with others and the world. I love that. Maya, thank you so much for your meditation, for your beautiful time and for your teachings today. I know that I'm going to take a lot away from what you've shared with us today in my own life and in my parenting and my role as a wife, mother and friend and daughter and all of those bits of bits in between. And I really look forward. I hope that you come on the show again so that you can share another meditation with us one day soon. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Corinne. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>